Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Nada Khan and I'm one of the associate editors of the BJGP. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. In this episode, we talk to Ben Cranfield, who is undertaking a PhD in the Department of Behavioural Sciences and Health at University College London. The title of his paper is Primary Care Blood Tests Before Cancer Diagnosis, National Cancer Diagnosis Audit Data. I started out by asking Ben what's known around the area of blood tests prior to cancer diagnosis. What I wanted to start with was just to think a bit about what's already been done in this area. There's been a fair amount published, especially in the BJGP, about blood tests prior to cancer diagnosis. And I wonder if we could start by you telling us a bit more about what we already know. Sure. So you're right. There's been lots of evidence over the last 10, 20 years over the, the diagnostic utility of blood tests for cancer. A lot of evidence coming out showing they have predictive value which has all been very promising. So th- that's kind of partly what the study is predicated on. It's also based on another fact to do with the current setup with the guidelines which support the diagnostic process for uh, patients who present with alarming symptoms of cancer very well. But there's around half of patients who are subsequently diagnosed with cancer uh, who present with non-alarm symptoms. Uh, and, the, and these processes don't really support uh, these patients. Uh, so given this promising evidence with blood tests and the fact that the guidelines don't really support the diagnosis of these patients with non-alarm symptoms, there's potential that the blood tests could be a useful diagnostic strategy in that population group. Based on those two things, we were, we were interested in trying to understand how blood tests are currently being used in practice uh, and try and explore variation in their use. So before we get into talking about what you did and what the results were, I wonder if you could just describe a bit for those of us who aren't working in cancer diagnostics and tell us a bit more about the different diagnostic intervals. So for instance, what's the diagnostic interval and what's the primary care interval? Sure. Published in 2012, I believe, was the Aurora statement. They were categorising delays to cancer diagnosis and within these categorizations are the primary care interval and also the diagnostic interval so the primary care interval was interested or is interested in the period of time uh, between when a patient first presents symptoms to their GP to when they are latterly referred onto secondary care and the diagnostic interval we were interested in as well which covers the period of time between a patient presenting first presenting symptoms to their GP to subsequently being diagnosed with cancer. Okay, all right. So that helps set the stage a bit for what you did in this study. So Mm -hmm. tell us a bit more about the method. So what did you look at specifically in this uh, analysis? So we used the National Cancer Diagnosis Audit, which has information on the diagnostic process for patients who were subsequently diagnosed in England in 2018. So yeah, within this data set, we we assessed um, the frequency in which common blood tests were used. So particularly looking at full blood counts, urea and electrolytes and liver function tests. And we also looked at variation in their use across patient characteristics, things such as demographic information and clinical information as well. So you looked at... um... The common blood tests, and this was prior to cancer diagnosis, is that right? 
Correct. Yeah. Okay. And then what were you interested in specifically with the variation in use? You mentioned a few things. Was it demographics mm-hmm. and Yeah. Yeah, we looked at a few things. So uh we looked at blood tests used by by age, by sex, ethnicity, deprivation, morbidity status, cancer site, and also symptom categories as well. So you focus specifically on you mentioned three blood tests, so a full blood count, the use and ease mm-hmm. and uh, liver function tests. So why these blood tests? And did you look at any other blood tests as well? So we know there's a great deal of the evidence for the predictive value of blood tests captured within the common blood tests. So yeah, so that's why we focus on those three. But we also, we did also describe the uh, distribution of blood tests, of all nine blood tests across uh, cancer sites, um, which included uh, cancer biomarker tests as well. Tell me a bit more about what you found in um, in the study. What we what we found was that there was substantial there's a substantial minority of patients who are subsequently diagnosed with cancer who have common blood tests. About two fifths of them. We yeah we also found that their blood test use varied by patient characteristics such such as for instance age, where the older patients were more well more likely to have blood tests than the younger patients. It's varied substantially by cancer site as well. So 84% of patients diagnosed with leukemia having common blood tests and I think about 2% with melanoma. But perhaps more interestingly, we was the, the findings we, we got from looking at the association between blood test use and symptom category. So what, what we found there was, again, not, not too surprising is that there is increased blood test use uh, in patients who are presenting with non-alarm symptoms compared compared to those with alarming symptoms. But we also found that around half of patients who present with non-alarm symptoms have common blood tests, and around a quarter of those presenting with alarm symptoms have common blood tests before diagnosis. Okay, so how does this all fit into those different uh, intervals that we were talking about? So does this impact on the primary care interval, or does it impact on the diagnostic interval? And what were your findings around that? So actually, when tests were used, um, both the primary care interval and the diagnostic interval were extended. So yeah, both both were influenced. Hmm. Okay, so that's interesting. So I'm wondering, do you think that these blood tests were used in parallel with the referrals, or do you think they were used um, to justify referrals or were they used potentially to work out if um, a patient didn't justify a referral? With with the NCDA, we can't we can't know this. There's no contextual information, but you're you're right. There it could be um blood tests being, you know, they might be requested within the referral. GPs may they may also just use them to support their decision making anyway on top of the recommendation. There might also be so yeah, there might there might be a number of reasons why these blood tests are being used. Did you so you've mentioned about different cancer types? Um, did you find any variation by cancer type in blood test usage before a diagnosis? Yeah, there, there was sub- substantial variation by cancer site. Yeah, so cancers such as leukemia, myeloma, pancreatic cancer—they all had very high blood test use, um, whereas cancers such as melanoma, breast cancer had very low blood test use, which is not surprising given certainly 
just by the symptom signatures for these cancers. The symptoms like such as blood cancers have very vague, typically have very vague symptoms. So blood testing would be used. You might expect more blood testing to be used there. Uh, and with cancers such as melanoma and breast cancer, which may be diagnosed more through physical examination, uh, you don't expect too much blood testing going on there. So, And the symptoms there are very, uh, very specific to those cancers. So they're more likely to meet the thresholds for referral other than these these are blood cancers, for instance. So I was just uh, reflecting on different two-week pathways for cancer. So I'm mm-hmm. not surprised that different cancers have different usage of blood tests. So, yeah. for instance, for breast cancer, you wouldn't necessarily do a blood test before referring. But yeah. if you were considering a lower GI cancer, you might do a full blood count to try to work out if a patient has iron deficiency anemia before referral. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it might be that the GP is using these blood tests as a diagnostic workup. It's interesting to consider whether that's a delay or whether it's part of the workup or not. Exactly. Um, so yeah, we, we can't we can't know the appropriateness of how these blood tests are being used, and any we might say that any uh, extension on the on the intervals, whether that's primary or diagnostic, but more in the diagnostic interval, they might be necessary delays, although I'm not sure if I should use that word. But yeah, they might be necessary for informing decision making. So um, without that blood test, it could have taken, the diagnostic process might have been even longer. So I think that takes me nicely on to sort of, what do GPs need to know about this? So should we be doing more or less blood testing suspected cancer? Or do you think it's dependent on whether they fit a two-week wait criteria? Should we just refer them without doing the blood tests or do them in parallel? Um, are we delaying diagnosis, do you think, or any tips for GPs? We, we, this study has just described how, how blood tests are being used in patients subsequently diagnosed with cancer. The implications are essentially that there, there might be ways that we can support the, the blood testing process in these for these patients. That may not necessarily be, for, for GPs, it might be for instance, there could be opportunities to perhaps use blood tests more often in those patients who are presenting with vague symptoms. That would probably be the takeaway message for me, or the biggest implication that they may, and certainly with, with common blood tests, I mean, there, there's very little risk from, from their use in terms of overdiagnosis. Mm. So, yeah, given that they're, they're, they're non-confirmatory tests, I feel like, the, uh, yeah, you, using them more frequently in, in that population could be could be useful and it might yeah might support the diagnostic process in, in these patients and it might be a diagnostic strategy that is potentially underused at the moment yeah the key findings was relating to the fact that we we know now well we may have anecdotally known anyway but we know there's blood tests are commonly or quite frequently used as part of the diagnostic process for patients uh, presenting with possible cancer symptoms we know that uh, it varies blood test use varies by cancer site um, and that there might be given that we've noticed this variation in blood test use there could be unmet need to support better use of blood tests in patients uh, particularly focusing on those who are presenting with alarm symptoms or non-alarm symptoms even where there might be overuse or underuse. In terms of next steps because we we explored symptom category at the moment I'm also looking at looking at blood tests used by symptom type. Um, 
just to get a better idea of how blood tests are being used for certain symptoms. And this could hopefully contribute towards understanding guideline-based blood tests as well and trying to understand the populations within the guidelines uh, who are receiving blood tests or not receiving blood tests. And also, given that this is a, a audit study and we're, we're, we're looking into population level data, what we don't capture, which what I said earlier, uh, we don't capture the contextual information that might helpfully inform us about how GPs decide to use blood tests. So there's also ongoing work looking at how uh, some qualitative work trying to understand GPs' perceptions towards using blood tests and potentially trying to understand the barriers to using blood tests as well in certain populations of cancer patients. I, I think it's really interesting to think about what's happening before a cancer diagnosis and what the steps are in primary care leading up to that moment. And as you've highlighted in this study, there are potentially patients who might benefit from more testing and potentially a group of patients who are having blood tests that don't require those prior to a referral to secondary care for definitive diagnosis. So I think that's been really helpful to highlight. It's really great. All I'd like to say now is just thank you. Thanks for taking part in this uh, podcast recording and um, look forward to reading the research on BJGP. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research article can be found on bjgp.org. And the show notes and podcast audio can also be found on bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it, subscribe in all the usual places from your podcaster of choice. And again, one last thing to mention, and that is that the BJGP Research Conference returns on Friday the 31st of March 2023. The conference is going to bring together UK and international general practice research, and we're planning some great opportunities within the coffee and lunch breaks for networking. The abstract submission site is up and running, so if you'd like to present your work, then do visit the website, which is bjgp.org forward slash conference for more information. Thanks again for listening.